James 4, chapter uh, <laughs> 4, verse 13 through 17. All right, we're in James. Yeah. So, in this passage, uh, Pastor James goes kind of hard on those who would make plans. Um, right? I will not feel guilt and shame. I don't know. I had the question. Would he frown upon our binge and browning barca lounging? What is barca lounging? <laughs> I needed another B for my alliteration, so you know, Binge, a, a brownie barca lounge. No, yeah, barca lounger. I think it was a brand name of um, of recliner back in the day. Yeah, so I adapted it into a verbal form to give oh. me my three Bs. How many of you knew what barca lounging meant? What are you kidding me? Yeah. Stop it! <laughs> Lies! <laughs> Lies! Like, <laughs> Oh, oh, they did. There you go. I probably, I yeah. probably saw that as a child. What's a television? <laughs> it's what used to be computers. Um, <laughs> anyway, so in the previous passage that we did, uh, James kind of focused on the um, the economically oppressed, right? And this has been one of the main mm-hmm. themes as he's been moving through has been this um, interaction between the the poor. And their feelings about the aristocracy, the like ruling class uh, in Israel that were seen as traitors and seen as folks who were working with uh, Rome. And uh, uh, at least one uh, commentator really, really sells this really hard as the uh, point of view of James is that he's speaking to folks who are identifying with a group called the Zealots. And the Zealots were known to actually go out and, and at times murder uh, folks who were in the aristocracy. Um, you know, it's kind of like a eat the rich sort of movement. You know, like, hey, how dare they? And, you know, there's legitimate suffering going on. And so he is warning them against, uh, throughout the, the book, you, if you've been at, to any of these talks, you know that that has been a theme, is him warning against, uh, like, violent uh, political rhetoric and this violent talk and, and likely siding um, with this group, right? And in the theme of that, last, last week's passage discusses um, the idea of putting yourself in uh, God's place, the place to judge, the place to be the one uh, to, to dare to <coughs> condemn. And then the extreme example of that would be the zealot who would actually take the life of the person they believe to be the ultimate sinner, make them pay the ultimate price in the here and now for that sin. And in doing that, they are they're taking God's place as as judge. And so we kind of wrestled with that uh, kind of idea. And um, so in this passage, he kind of turns, uh, kind of takes a pivot from speaking to the economically oppressed, and he turns and he starts to perform what uh, commentators call the test of wealth or the test of the wealthy. And so what I want you to do for a moment Just take a moment and consider the question, what is the purpose of wealth? You don't need to answer. I just want you to kind of get that in your mind, like based on your ideas of of, uh, uh, whether you are wealthy or whether you uh, hope to be (laughs) or you've had plans to be. And um, maybe we've all had moments of dreaming of, oh, if I had this, if I won this, Lottery or whatever. I don't no, know. That's ridiculous. I've never thought that. Ever. <laughs> I've never driven over to Vancouver and purchased a lottery you, ticket. You've done that? Yeah, I did. Oh my once. goodness. I had no idea. We need to stop right now. Yeah. 
wasn't as funny as I thought. Um, so. 300, babe, 300. <laughs> there you go. If you just went once, yeah. he says it's, it's a game. Yeah. Two is, oh, please. <laughs> oh, it's oh. even a spiritual thing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if God one. wants me to, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I want you to consider that question. Like, what is the purpose of wealth? Okay, it might, uh, it might be better to establish uh, your answer when you don't have wealth. Is kind of what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, D- Jamie and I have talked before. Where's Jamie? Jamie and I have talked before about how we're like, we have our plans for what we would do should we win the lottery, right? And we're like, see God, we're going to do good things. Mm-hmm. We're kind of demonstrating to right. him how responsible we would be with it beforehand yeah. so he knows. Yeah. Do you all do that? No? Okay. 10% discipline. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was thinking, too, about why I even take time to think about wanting, like, right, wanting more money or wanting wealth. Like, what are the things that wealth offers us? Power. Power. Opportunity. Ability. Security. Security. Absolutely. somebody said stability. Oh, stability. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Independence. Sense of independence. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> really fine foods. <laughs> Large tubes more of tax goat breaks. cheese. More tax breaks. Yeah. Cars. Cars. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be altruist. <laughs> good. You're getting to the end of the sermon before we're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote all those things down too. I feel like security yeah. is a huge one. Yeah. Because... If I have, yeah, it's like, what if something happens, right? So there's kind of a fear or anxiety about our experience. Yeah, I mean, I think that's primal. I think that's universal to humankind. Right. And money gives us that sense of, yeah, like if I have, yeah, and then freedom. Because, you know, I've been traveling more lately, which makes me just want to travel more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that freedom of being able to, right? And I think there's another thing that is associated with wealth, which is, that people look at, if you have wealth, if someone has a lot of wealth, there's this sort of idea behind it that that person is really smart and responsible, right? So there's also like a... A respect. A respect, Mm -hmm. yeah. What was that? Prestige. Prestige, yeah. Yeah, and so if you... And and consequently, the other side of it is that if you don't have a lot of resources, you feel like maybe shame and guilt or like, oh, I'm not doing enough I'm not responsible enough. I'm not doing enough things. So anyway, mm-hmm. it's like wealth would cure me of all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's an escape from mm-hmm. that shame yeah. and guilt that you yeah. might feel. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, okay, now that we kind of have those ideas in our head, you're, we're going to do the um, kind of the disciple thing, right? What it is to be, uh, this is my definition that I always put out there for what it is to constantly be a, a learner of Christ, a disciple, trying to, trying to um, I, I think it's always a series of comparisons. I think we take uh, our values that we carry with us and we bring them up next to God's values and, and then we see uh, where the discrepancies are. And, um, and then we hope and pray to let the things that are ours get shaven off. We ask for help. We ask God to help us to leave those things behind, right? How, like take the idea of, um, uh, uh, really the idea of kind of anxiety and fear of not having enough, that mm-hmm. thing of security. Um, what if we could give that up, mm-hmm. right, in our relationship to our, in how we think about money or wealth, mm-hmm. right? What kind of level of freedom would that be? 
And that's, that's an example of like adopting a, a value of God and a promise of God, a trust of God, um, versus like having a value of trust in the resource itself. And, and that's, I mean, of course, that's huge, right? That would, that would be, a, I don't know that I've, I've maybe met a few people that that's kind of their. They're probably wealthy. Their, no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you just totally threw me off. Um, <laughs> but so we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to kind of compare these things. The ideas that most of us, I think, journey through life with and kind of what uh, James uh, wrestles with, with the idea behind wealth and riches and that sort of thing. The, uh, I was reading an article from the Dictionary of uh, Biblical Theology about the book of James, and um, they kind of say this, uh, not kind of, literally, I quoted it. <laughs> Wealth for James is dangerous at best, and those who hold on to it instead of sharing it are not viewed positively. The principal purpose of wealth for James as for Jesus is that it be shared with those in need. So then you go back and you can see this in James and in his writing, the things that he sees as values, um, uh, things as uh, what is he even calls as pure and undefiled religion. You're probably familiar with that one. We, we have hit that passage a lot. James 1 uh, verses 26 and 27 if someone thinks he is religious yet does not bridle his tongue and so deceives his heart, his religion is futile. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their misfortune and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Um, Eugene Peterson, when translating that second verse, verse 27, says it this way, real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this, Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. It was um, is this passage that shot through my mind, um, man, what, five years ago? Four or five years ago now? How old's Nico? Is he five yet? So this passage is what shot through my head when um, Eric and Jamie uh, brought Nico to that first Sunday service. Um, if you don't know Eric and Jamie, they, uh, in an emergency situation, got uh, emergency certified to be foster parents and um, brought Nico home, which started a journey that ended up adding uh, this awesome little boy to their life uh, through foster care and then adoption. And um, I remember that Sunday morning, Jamie standing up there holding little Nico and um, leading us in worship. And the He's sense making that, a home for the orphan. Oh, man, yeah, That's I remember the song. Yeah. yeah, I remember singing that. And it was this verse that uh, was ringing in my head uh, when it happened. It was this verse that goes through my mind when um, uh, friend Suzanne had taken in a family that they met just randomly um, and just made a space for them in their home to try to, try to help them get off the street. Um, it was this passage that went through my mind when Sonia first suggested uh, we do foster care. And then immediately the second thought was we only have a two-bedroom. <laughs> it's like babies don't take up that much room, Paul. Yeah. They grow up, though, those babies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, I'll freely admit that, um, you know, my values move me towards greater comfort. But God's values move me uh, towards greater love and greater purpose. 
And of course, I'm always looking for that Venn diagram, you know, where the overlap of greater comfort and greater love kind of lands right in the middle. <laughs> There's like a sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what, <laughs> the maximum comfort I can uh-huh. have while sacrificing for right, others. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, that is human. That is so how we are. I can't find yeah. it. In, I will give like, this until I have to give up James. my fancy coffee. Oh, yeah. too much. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> now you're preaching. Oh, Come man. on. Sorry. Stop. Sorry. <laughs> That's it's so right. That's exactly yeah. right. Where this stuff hits us right in the face, right? Yeah. Um, Here I'll read James 2, yeah. verse 14. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags, half-starved, and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thoughts and prayers. That's mm-hmm. what that means. And walk, out, walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? James must have been fun to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's James again Ooh. with the sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, this is the just the peeling off of our layers yeah. of, of our humanness, and mm-hmm. it always attacks that stuff that, yeah. that makes us. It's just so good because it it confronts our, the reality of the tension that we live in, and yeah. that we genuinely, I think, all of us, we want to please God and we want to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, and the reality is that sometimes we don't. Yeah. And sometimes we don't know how. That's right. another component, I think, to it. Well, he wouldn't need the rightness if we weren't If we had, had it all it, together. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. That's the thing yeah. I always think of as a, a person attempting to be a follower of Christ throughout my life. Um, because you can allow guilt and shame when you realize you're not getting it right to kind of creep in on you. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll stop us. It'll yeah, we'll freeze. Right. Mm-hmm. And But if you realize that the reason they had to write this stuff down is because we don't get it right. We need guidance. We need templates to point us in the direction towards something that um, without the grace of God, uh, we'll never, well, we'll, I don't think we'll see this uh, perfected in our lives in in this time, as long as we're attached to kind of broken systems and, and our broken selves. I think God redeems us. I think we can move forward. I think, you know, I believe in him saving us and that being this like changing and transforming of us. But there seems to always be this, this struggle of not quite getting there. And we've got to find a way to live in that and, and be content. And I think the only place that is is where we rest in the grace of God. We rest in his grace for us while we also allow ourselves to be challenged and move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we go back into James 4? Yeah, yeah. Here? So back to our text for today, James 4, verse 13. He says this, and now I have a word for you who brashly announce, today at the latest, tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. <laughs> I like to travel and make money. <laughs> Stop looking at me. <laughs> anyway, James, James continues, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of a fog catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. As it is, you are full of grandio—you are full of your grandiose selves. All such vaunting self-importance is evil. In fact, if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, that for you is evil. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't think James is against planning. Right? I don't <laughs> think that's the—I don't think that's the he's point. Like, Get rid of your calendars. Yeah. 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 No. 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 <laughs> And he's not against wisdom and acting in uh, 
frugal ways or way, or yeah. he's not against doing business and making money or that's, traveling. Yeah. Or <laughs> traveling. I don't think he's, <laughs> he's against, not traveling. against traveling. No, I don't think that's going on here. I agree with uh, Craig Keener, the commentator that says the sin here is arrogant presumption, feeling secure enough to leave God out of one's calculations. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, and I that's think, the temptation of wealth that James is addressing. Yes. He's like, the, the temptation of wealth is that your wealth is what makes you secure mm -hmm. and that that's what's making you safe. Right. And that's what's providing for you. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and this is, uh, we see this in, in uh, images in scripture. We see this throughout the writings of, of Christian leaders throughout history. The idea that it is uh, actually easier oftentimes for the poor to um, have a closeness to God because of the natural dependence that lies there. Um, that, that sense of like having to cry out to God because you're not sure um, where the next meal is going to come from and that sort of thing. And, um, and yet at the same time, not um, saying that that's what we should aspire to, that, that kind of, mm -hmm. that we should aspire to poverty. But it is an observation that in poverty, uh, oftentimes those folks have a sense of trust and um, hope in God because um, you always have a sense that he's going to provide. Um, we've never lived in, in poverty while we've uh, been here, like leading this church and, and doing the gross. But um, the, the budget's always on like a razor thin edge, right? And so over the years, there's plenty of times where we just have to wait and hope that the finances are going to come in so the check can get paid, so the bills can get paid, right? And um, it, in the beginning, it's super, super stressful, you know? And and um, well, it's always stressful. I won't say it's like becomes not stressful at all, but there is a, a faith that you have to operate in. And, and there is a um, like a letting go of going this. What the work we're doing here is not mine. It, it's not my work. Um, and the people that I love to gather with and do this stuff with, they're not mine. They don't belong to me. They belong to God. And so I had to get to a point where I went, God, if you're going to move us on, and that's what happens because there's not provision here, I guess I'm okay with it, even though I don't want that. But that, and that was kind of like, uh, like a step of faith, step of growth um, that I feel happens from, from that sense of um, being in total just reliance on God. But that doesn't mean it's not tiring, and that doesn't mean it doesn't uh, wear you down. Just like folks in poverty might be like, yeah, I have a sense of being close to God, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that if we can do something about it, we shouldn't. Right. Uh, You're close to God. Yeah, so. yeah, right. You know, that isn't that kind of what yeah, James yeah. gets back to? He's like, hey, be full of the Holy Spirit. Be clothed. I don't want yeah. to mess with your relationship with God, son. <laughs> yeah. you know? Leave you in that. <laughs> Continue yeah. your That's fast. That's not what James says. Yeah. yeah. No. no. And um, so, you know, that leads us to the question, you know, what are the wealthy to do? What are we to do with the relative wealth wealth that we might have. And I thought this was it. I just wanted to, before we went on to the good news of this passage or, and, and I think our response, um, I just wanted to take a moment because when I, when I hear like, what should the wealthy do? I'm like, well, I don't need to listen to the rest of this sermon because I'm not wealthy. Right. Does anybody, or is it, does anybody else do that? I'm like, oh, I don't need to listen to James talk about wealth because that's not me, <laughs> you know, yeah. or this is, I'm just being honest about how I will opt out um, because I don't, I would not call myself wealthy, right? But um, 
and I thought this was interesting, and this is why we need to wrestle with this as citizens in the United States, okay? Because um, I was reading, there was a study five years ago that determined that the United States is both the richest and the most unequal. So just think, that's the context we live in. There's this reality, right, this tension between the fact that we are wealthy comparatively when we think about the globe, and at the same time, we in this society experience there is a growing, it's a, a growing inequality from the richest to the poorest, right? Um, so our immediate context might say that we don't have much, but our global context says that we have a lot. So we got to wrestle with that and what our responses are and what we need to do or not do or, uh, yeah, right? So in the United States, for example, these are the numbers. So in the United States, to be in the top 1% and and just this is wages, this is not wealth. Okay, so wages. To be in the top 1% in wages, um, if you make over $423,000 a year, you're in the top 1% in the United States, okay? But globally, if you make over $32,400 in a year, you're in the top 1%. See, so there's a tension that we live in because I might ignore some things. So here, uh, just for me, I might go, well, I'm not wealthy. I don't have a lot, so I don't have anything to give, right? But maybe, maybe $5, which is, might be nothing to me, might be something really significant to someone else. Well, we got to wrestle with those things. Anyway, I'm just saying all that just because we should wrestle with it. <laughs> Keep wrestling, folks. Cheering you on. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we listen to James, you know, what he says uh, to make a habit of. He says if the... Um, wait, yeah, if, mm -hmm. if the master wills it, and we're still alive, uh, we'll do this or that. Instead, make a habit to say, if the master wills it, and we're still alive, um, we'll do this or that. And the uh, New Bible Commentary kind of made this note about this. It says, James' point is not simply that they ought to uh, preface all their plans with, if it's the Lord, Lord's will, uh, that would be lip service to God. Instead, he wants them to seek God's plan and follow God's will uh, in their use of money. And so it's another good thing to point out, because anytime we start talking about what we uh, are challenged to give or, or what we should hold on to or not, I think we immediately, because I don't know, our thinking is often in dichotomies. We often go to polls. And so we have trouble being like um, th this idea. We should pray and discern what God would have me give. Um, that or what God would have me do with this money. In that case, like his, his scenario here, it's that scenario. It's a, a likely a business person who has a pot of cash that they're going to go and buy goods to then take somewhere and sell. That's the scenario. And he's not saying that they shouldn't go and actually do that. What he's saying is that you're arrogant to not stop and go, God, is this what you want me to do with this? God, it, would you have me? take this business trip, make this investment, do this thing. You're consulting the Lord on that. And, and so you have a scenario where two different people could end up doing the same thing mm -hmm. and one of them be in total arrogant denial of God and the other be totally in uh, submission to God, right. making the same business decision. Does that, that make sense? The, the point of the New Testament Christian is the one that isn't living by some like set of laws all the time, but is one that is hearing the Spirit of God speak to them, consulting uh, God, asking Him to speak to your mind and to your, you know, your inner place, saying, like, 
guide me where I should go with this. And when you feel a peace, you go in that direction, you know? And um, I, I love that because it's, uh, it relieves for me my tendency to, to think in a hard dichotomy of either give it all away or hoard it all, right? <laughs> like it's just like uh, I tend to kind of go these different directions. Right, right, because it could look like hoarding to somebody, but that might be God going, I want you to reserve that. Right. It could be God going, I want you to give all of that away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And it points us towards humility. Right. Which is, I think, the first thing that we take away from this text is that we're invited to humble ourselves before God in all the in all things. And even the the phrasing that he says there, life is but a vapor. Remember how mm-hmm. like just remember how fleeting our lives are, you know, and that 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 gives us some perspective, right? Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also guards us against. Um, Kind of that, that Western civilization ethic of um, chasing more and more and more so you can feel more and more important and more valuable. Because the, the, mm-hmm. there's no end to that, mm-hmm. right? I think there's no end to that on an actual kind of <laughs> fundamental truth level that things will not bring you fulfillment. But then I think there's, it, that's even more important because now we live in a system that the, the markets are designed to... Um, to, to talk to this part of us, right? To tell us that we're not enough. Uh, all the marketing that we consume, the commercials, we see the sales pitches that we get, uh, so much of it plays upon this aspect of, of our lives, at telling us you're not enough. You need this to make you enough. You're not enough, you need this. And, and it's constantly a uh, breaking us down so they can sell us the thing that will build us back up. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, and so listening to this helps us guard against that thing that, that, that I think breaks our hearts all the time, constantly leaving us with that sense of, of longing and uh, inadequacy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, back to the uh, that article from the Dictionary of Biblical Theology. It says, people must not forget God and assume that they are in control of what will happen. They should be aware that everything depends on God's will. Yeah, I think that maybe wealth and, re, and, you know, chasing after money, maybe wealth is the most deceitful. Like in our context, it might be the most deceitful in making us think that we're in control. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the world's point of view, in a capitalist embedded context and culture that we live in where money is king, right? That's what we're chasing. Attaining wealth is everything. And so I think that we have to be aware and intentional not to be driven by it or allow it to be what we believe gives us power or value or control. Because when we do that, this is what, it was just hitting me as I was thinking about this. When we do that, if I go, well, if I have money, then I can do this. Or mm-hmm. like, if I'm looking to it for my security, if I'm looking to it to give me position, or, um, or, or if, if I have more, then that says something to the world about who I am. So I'm valued and I'm worth something. If that becomes how I'm driven, then I am actually worshiping money. Yeah. Like, it's become my idol. It's become the thing that I am bending to and bowing to. It's the thing that is driving all of my, li- like my life. Yeah, it's it, my will is bent towards. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. where I see uh, where we connect with the ancient societies, like in Israel, when uh, if you're familiar with Hebrew scripture, you know there's plenty of stories where Israel is being um, chastised by God for worshiping other gods. Right. And, and it's not like it's not they just are like, there's a cooler church <laughs> yeah. service down the road. Let's go you know, yeah. to that. 
It, it is that um, in that worldview, um, there were entities, like a whole pantheon of entities, right? And um, there, it was common knowledge that there were uh, fertility gods and local gods that controlled the productivity of flocks and of, of uh, mm -hmm. crops and that sort of thing. And so you were taking a risk in that worldview if you didn't worship those gods mm -hmm. because they were the ones and that were providing yeah. for you. Right. And, and that's what Israel was uh, warned against. Mm -hmm. They were told to trust uh, Yahweh as their, in, like their sole provider, right? And, and so I, I've, I've wrestled with this a lot, this idea of like, um, yeah, I mean, because it, it hits that weird spot where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about things like being responsible, um, th things like having enough to take care of your family or maybe to do things for others and, you know, even good, like altruistic things, right? Um, but it's so easy to slip over into, without that, I feel like I can't fulfill what it is I, I need to do and I need to be. And then those moments you realize, oh man, I'm trusting in, in, in this number. I'm trusting in this, the, these finances. Or trusting in myself yeah. to accomplish it and to gather it. Yeah. And so I, I hope, I hope we're being clear and talking about this, that this is no easy task. You know, this, this is uh, you know, like if, if you're doing level ups of your Christianity, or yes, like, yes. this is got to be like, the, like a really high level. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready to level up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm just being silly. I don't think there's level ups just so we're clear. Um. <laughs> you can ignore the charts we have in the back. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but the intent. So, so yes, but we have wealth, and and we and some of you were alluding to this earlier. But James's call to us, and Jesus's call to us, um, the purpose of having wealth is that we are to share with others. Yeah, we're supposed to share everything that we need to know. We learned in kindergarten. <laughs> that is true, right? We're supposed to share. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me like when I when I consider this stuff, I end up going, "What's in my hand?" You know, what do I have? Mm -hmm. um, we might have in abundance what somebody else needs. Mm -hmm. right? And we mm -hmm. can expand our thinking and expand our, our, um, our generosity mm -hmm. and our ability to share mm -hmm. as we walk out of this place and walk into the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, can I, can I interrupt? As a, <laughs> may I stop That's you? That's the format. Okay. <laughs> yeah. no. The capacity, this is, I can say this for me, the capacity to be generous externally has everything to do with what I believe that I have internally. If I believe that I don't have enough, I am not even going to, I won't even, I'm not even going to see things. And if I see them, I'm going to ignore them, right? It's, it's, a, it's a perspective. And for me, it's the wealth and the generosity that, it's the wealth that I have in Christ. It's the generosity that I see in God that compels me to expand my inner space and to like let, let that be my truth and not my actual checking account, not my savings account, not my retirement account. Like I have to choose to look at, I mean, th that's the choice, I don't know. That's, it's an internal work that needs to happen. Less how, however much I have in my account that, may, that will determine the generosity that I, that I have. And, and I want to say this too, and I think I mentioned this before, but when, when we were looking at foster care, I remember thinking this 
And as we were more and more, as we continued to stay engaged with foster care, which it was hard. I was sleep deprived. We were exhausted. We, you all helped carry the burden and felt us being exhausted. Um, but I remember several times, like every time there was an opportunity to take in another kiddo, and I'd be like, oh, I'm so tired. And I'm not doing the things that I want to do. Like I want to write more songs or I want to paint or, you know, those things that I, I love doing or um, the, whatever the resource is. I remember moments where I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, I'm not asking you to have all that. What I'm asking you to do is what you have in abundance is love <laughs> because I've given that to you. You have love that I've given you. That's what you have in abundance, and that's what I want you to demonstrate right now to every kid that I put in front of you to give the opportunity. So I don't know. It, it wasn't because I was so – Yeah. it's not me. Like, I mean, it, you know what I mean? It's my willingness to submit to God and to answer that call and to both receive the generous, abundant love of God and then to live that out with whatever he's presenting me the opportunity to do that with. And so um, – it isn't that we become more awesome. I, honestly, I, it's just that God, if we will listen and if we will go to him and ask him, I think that he will give us the right response, you know? Yeah. Because there was also a moment where I, we felt like God was like, you know, that we were done taking in foster kids in our home, right? right? Yeah. But it was like listening to the Holy Spirit and what God is saying to us and what he's asking us and inviting us into. So, I don't know, yeah. for what that's worth. Yeah, you want to close up? Yeah. Um, I want to wrap it up in a, like a neat bow or something, but something profound. But God can do that, yeah, in our hearts. Well, let's just take a, let's, let's, um, uh, as we come to our close here, we'll have our worship team do a song. We have communion that's in the back. There's a basket that's forgiving. And, um, I don't know. I think a good question, a, a good, good one, good question is, what do we have in our hands? What do we have? And um, and then just taking that and saying, okay, God, this is what I have. Um, the woman who just had a mite—that's all she had. She had one little tiny penny coin, and she gave it. Uh, the man who came to Jesus and said, "What good thing must I do to be saved?" And Jesus is like, "Get rid of all of your wealth. That's the last thing you got to do." That's too much, right? What do we have in our hands? And then what is our response going to be to God this morning? Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you uh, again for your word, for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Um, I thank you for your steadfastness in our lives. And um, that might be something that we take for granted or maybe it's something we don't see. Maybe it's something that we don't believe is true, right? But God, I pray that this week would be a week that we find you to be faithful and to be steady, that we find you to be someone we can trust in and lean into um, from the smallest ways to the biggest ways. God, if there are whatever needs are presented, are represented here in this place, and surely there are many, whether it's finances, whether it's discouragement that we're facing or disillusionment, whether it's a lack of faith, whether it's a job we need, if it's a relationship issue that we need your help in, God. Um, would you be faithful to meet our needs? Would you be faithful to um, demonstrate once again your tremendous love for us, be merciful and be gracious to us, and do that thing that only you can do? 
And um, we want to walk this life with you and, and trust you more. And um, I, I just thank you for your generosity in our lives. And I just pray that you'd be generous to us this week, God. Um, there might be some of us here who are hanging on by threads. Some of us might have a lot of doubt and a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And I just pray, God, that you would meet us in those places. Um, there is no height, no depth, no place that you can't go. Your hand can't reach to rescue us and save us. So do that work in us. We will, um, we will keep learning to trust you. Take whatever we have, God. It's yours.